The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. your Bible lifted up real high and shout this is my Bible I believe what it says I am I can do what it says I can do I am a believer and not a doubter a doer not just a hearer today I'll learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God amen and so, uh, welcome to our Good Friday uh, service. And man, I love Good Friday. Uh, you know, Friday is always good, right? TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Uh, but this one is extra special uh, because of what we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he paid for, uh, for all of us at the cross. And so that's what uh, we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about... Uh, what I like to call the power uh, of the cross. Uh, all of our uh, message, our Christianity, uh, hangs on what Jesus did for us at the cross. And so the cross of God, the cross of Jesus, is, is the precious emblem, and uh, not because it looks cute, but because of what it represents. Amen? Uh, the cross of Jesus, we love it because it represents forgiveness, it represents our freedom, uh, it represents our redemption, and we're going to be talking about uh, all of these things. In fact, the majority of what we teach at Faith Hill Church is around what Jesus paid for at the cross and how you can activate uh, your faith to grab a hold of it. And when you, uh, uh, you know, believe this revelation of this magnitude and what Jesus did uh, for you at the cross, you can never be the same again. Amen? Uh, we read in Isaiah 52, verse 14, we read that last week, uh, that while Jesus was, the, was at the cross, you know, taking all the pain, all the beating, all the punishment uh, on his body, and the reason he did that uh, was because God is just. Amen? Uh, uh, the grace message is not just God, you know, uh, uh, sweeping the sin issue under the rug and just, you know, playing hush-hush around that. Our God is a just God, and everything had to be done uh, through his justice uh, system. And uh, we see Jesus at the cross uh, uh, paying for a debt that really uh, hung over our heads uh, since, you know, Adam committed, uh, Adam and Eve committed the sin of giving up our authority uh, to the devil in the garden by disobeying God and uh, submitting themselves to the devil. And uh, so we see here that Jesus came to restore that back to order. And so while he was at the cross, uh, we know that Jesus took the curse uh, on his body. Jesus wasn't cursed, but he took the place of the curse, the place that you and I were supposed to occupy. And while he was at the cross, Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ redeemed us from from the curse of the law. 
being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. And so while Jesus was at the cross, you know, part of what went into his body, you know, uh, 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 when Mel Gibson did the movie, The Passion of Christ, uh, I mean, it was, it was strong, right? It, was, it wasn't even rated uh, uh, PGA. I think it was, it was above 18. It was like X-rated because of the, you know, outside uh, expression of violence that we see in that movie. But when you look really through uh, scripture, Mel Gibson apparently actually admitted that they'd actually cut out a lot of stuff because if they had put exactly what happened according to scripture, no one would have been able to see it. No one would have been able to watch it and remain the same. And the reason is because when Jesus took the beating physically, there was also something else that transpired spiritually. And so in the natural, he took the beating uh, physically, and uh, in the spiritual, he took the curse. Galatians 3.13, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin. So literally, the sin that would torment the world went on to Jesus, and Jesus became sin. All kinds of sin you can think of spiritually was credited to Jesus, and he paid for that. Amen? And he says he became sin so that we, through that, might become the righteousness of God uh, through Christ. And the third thing we see in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, for we know by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through that might become rich. Amen? So Jesus uh, experienced the extreme state of poverty. When they hung him on the cross, he was naked. And uh, not only naked, he was also thirsty. And, uh, you know, they say the, 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 the extreme expression of poverty is when we, you don't have anything to wear and when you don't have any water to drink. Forget the food. If you don't have anything to wear and uh, water to drink, that's the extreme state of poverty. And Jesus experienced that at the cross so that we don't have to experience that. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 53 verse 5 tells us that he took our sin. He was wounded. He took our sickness. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him at the cross, and with his stripes uh, we are healed. And so uh, what we see Jesus doing at the cross on Good Friday is what I like to call the divine exchange. Amen? Amen? And so I know there's a lot of, gonna, there's a lot of messages being uh, preached today. One of the messages I came across uh, many, many years ago was, you know, the preacher was saying because of Jesus uh, and what Jesus did on the cross, now it's your turn to suffer because Jesus suffered. Now, the reason Jesus suffered was not to set an example. The reason Jesus suffered was because he was taking our place so that we could walk scot-free. Ain't no need for both of you to suffer. It's called double jeopardy. Yeah. Amen? Jesus suffered so that you and I don't have uh, to suffer. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so quickly, let's go to John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9, 19 actually. John chapter number 19. I'm going to read from verse 28 to 30. John chapter number 19 from verse uh, 28 to 30. Thank you, Jesus. Listen what it says. It says in uh, verse 28, After this, uh, uh, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished and that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was a set, uh, a vessel full of vinegar uh, that they 
uh, uh, put in vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it on his mouth to drink. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished and bow his head, bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, when you read this text in English, it sounds like this is a statement of giving up. When Jesus said, uh, it, it is finished, right? It feels like, man, after Jesus had taken all this pain and you couldn't take any more, he's just said, ah, yeah, it is finished. <laughs> right? He said, ah, I'm finished, right? But that's not what he's saying. If you look at the text in Greek, uh, the phrase, it is finished, is probably one of the most powerful phrases when it comes to your redemption. Uh, that phrase, it is finished, is the Greek word tetelestai, and it is translated paid in full. Amen? And so what Jesus was proclaiming while he was at the cross was the debt that hung over our head had now been canceled. Come on. Amen? Amen. Yes. In fact, let's go to Colossians chapter number 2. Let's go to Colossians. I didn't have this in my notes. It just came by the Holy Spirit. And I've learned to, you know, uh, 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 submit myself. Colossians 2, we're going to read verse 14, right? Colossians chapter number 2. Uh, in fact, let's start from, yeah, verse 14 is good. I like it. He said, uh, uh, this is part of what happened when Jesus said it is finished. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And so when Jesus was at the cross, part of what he did when he said it is finished was he took away the ordinances or the demands of the law that were not for you, but against you. Because none of us could keep the law. And Jesus took that out of the way so that your relationship with God doesn't have to be based on ordinances anymore. Oof, that's good preaching. Amen? I said amen. And so now you and I, when we approach God, we don't approach God on the basis of the do's and don'ts. We approach God on the basis of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Can I get an amen? And so when Jesus said paid in full, paid in full, it is finished. Part of what happened in scripture immediately after Jesus said uh, paid in full was that the, the veil in the temple was rent in twain or it was torn in half. Immediately after Jesus said, it is finished. If you go and read it chronologically, it says that Jesus says it is finished, paid in full. And there was a veil in the temple uh, that separated God from the people. And when we say veil to, you know, us in 2022 in Johannesburg, most people think of a curtain, right? When Jesus, uh, uh, when the Bible talks about uh, this veil was torn in half, which was in the temple, is talking about something that was over 30 centimeters thick. And so we're talking about a thick blanket. And it was 20 meters high. It's estimated to be over 20 meters high. So this is a, a thick blanket that was in the temple that separated where the people were and the holy of holies where the presence of God was to signify the era that came before that, the era of separation because of sin. And so when Jesus said it is finished, that thing all by itself. Scripture tells us that it was torn from top to bottom. The reason it's clear to specify that is because he doesn't want anyone to think that someone snuck in in the night and cut it from the ground. No, this thing 
was rent of itself. It tore of itself from top to bottom and opened itself up immediately because of what Jesus paid for. There was an invitation to all of us, to all mankind, to now come into a full relationship with God. Not based on what we do, but based on what Jesus did. And if you read over there in uh, Hebrews chapter number 4, he says, Now let us go into the throne room of grace. You see, before Jesus paid at the cross, none of us could go into the throne room of grace. Because the demands of the law were in the way. And so Jesus needed to take that out of the way. You see, the law was not given for you to keep it. The law was given for you to realize none of us could keep it. A lot of people, you know, they, they're really trying to keep the law. And, and sometimes it's ignorance of what the law demands. There were about over 613 different ordinances listed in the law for you to have a relationship, functional relationship with God. And one of them was this. If you're going to come into the presence of God, you had to be a certain height. You had to be a certain weight. You couldn't have a pimple on your body. Just check your neighbor. Just check them. Just check and see. Just check and see if they would, they would make the cuts. And here's another one. You couldn't sweat when you went into the presence of God. And so what the Levites would do whenever they would go and make sacrifices for the people is that they would go in fear. In fact, they would tie a rope on their leg because they knew most likely he's not going to make it. Tie a rope on his leg and tie some bells on the hem of their garments. And while they were in there, the hands of the garment uh, would make noise and the people, okay, he's still alive. <laughs> okay, he's still alive. When it stops ringing, they just drag you out. And so when the priests would go annually to make sacrifices for the people, they would go in fear, you know. Not, not fears and uh, reverence, but fears and fright. They are scared of God. But over here in the new covenant, because of what Jesus paid for, we don't go in fear. We go boldly. He says, come on in boldly with confidence. Come into the throne room of grace where you can obtain help in times of need. Because Jesus said it is finished. Paid in full. Amen. I mean, he tore that thing up and upgraded all of us. We were upgraded into first class living. Amen. Man, I, I use this example uh, when I teach this. That, you know, if, if you've ever flown uh, the plane, you know, uh, if not you, the pilot, but just <laughs> being in there. <laughs> you know, we were talking last week about the power of confession, right? And, and thinking, you know, possibility and so on and so forth. And I, I got to think about it on Thursday. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit asked me this question. I'm going to ask you the same question. And uh, 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 anybody who doesn't know how to fly a plane, just lift your hand. Anybody who doesn't know how to fly a plane. That's a lot of you. Now, here's the next question is, how do you know? Have you tried? So how did you know that? But you see how we think? So the Holy Spirit asked me, he said, can you fly a plane? I said, no, I don't know. He said, how do you know? He said, you see, that's your problem. You are inclined to think you can't. Wow. He said, the right answer should have been, I don't know. I only know when I try. <laughs> you may not live to tell that tale, but... <laughs> 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 
But here's the deal is that if you've ever been on an aeroplane and flying somewhere, you know, uh, uh, far, 15, 12, 16 hours, and uh, when you take off, if you're in economy, uh, usually the, the, the people that are serving you, the hosts and the hostesses, usually get up and they close the veil. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they close the, the veil. It's a thin veil, but they close it to separate the, the economy or coach uh, uh, from first class. And it's two different worlds. Amen? I've never been in first class, but I saw it on YouTube. It's completely... <laughs> It's, it's different worlds. I saw it on YouTube. True story. I saw it. I saw it on YouTube. It's a different, it's a different world. In first class, they get a menu. Did you know that? They get a menu over here. You don't get to choose what you want to eat. They just say, you know, whatever, chicken, chicken, beef, or vegetarian, you know. And they're really, you know, quick. In, in first class, actually, I heard on some of these new airlines, you get someone who's dedicated to just serving you alone, just you. They are your personal uh, air host or hostess, just to serve you. Over here, one person is serving 600 people in the thing. And then they get a menu, uh, uh, you get pajamas, Egyptian cotton pajamas. You get to eat when you want to eat. Now, this is very important because when Jesus tore the veil, he made an invitation to people who were stuck in the economy. And he said, now I'm inviting you to stop living as, as second-class citizens. And he's making an invitation for us to come into first-class citizen. And then as a first-class citizen, the first thing he did is he took the menu of his promises from Romans all the way to Jude and put it in your hand and say, now by faith you can place an order. Do you realize that from Romans to Jude, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a list of promises that are waiting for someone to activate their faith so that they can place an order. And for the most part, you know, the, the challenge really is a lot of people don't know how to read the manual. Man, you've been upgraded into first class living and... Uh, Really, the problem is they don't know how to read the menu. They, they, they need somebody else. And I mean, rightly so. Your first two, three uh, uh, years in, in first class, you may need someone to help you order healing. You may need someone to help you. But at some point, you, you ought to learn how to order yourself. Amen. I said amen. Now we are in a place where things are not seasonal anymore. You see, over here in, in coach, in, in, in economy, the, if you miss, we were flying from uh, uh, Los Angeles to Doha with Pastor Henry. And so we were in one of these empty ones. It was an empty plane. And so we all got four uh, seats, you know, turned the economy into first class. You just, oh, let me share a secret with you. Man, you lift those things up, you can lie down. And it's comfortable. So we all got, all of us, all, how many were? How many were? Pastor Dave, yourself, myself, was there someone else? Was there three of us? Yeah, it was the three of us. And uh, so we were lying out, we were lying down uh, uh, 16 hours to Doha. And, uh, you know, we, we missed, I missed, the other guys ate. I missed the food because I, I took a sleeping pill. I wanted to, you know, uh, sleep, sleep it out. The journey is long. And so I, I, I took a sleeping pill. When I woke up, I was hungry. And so I looked at Pastor H. I said, hey, Pastor H, man, I'm hungry. And he looked at me. He said, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I said, what you mean you're sorry? He said, they just fed the people. <laughs> so you're going to have to wait. See, when you're in economy, the feeding happens in cycles. You remember the impotent man who had been at the pool uh, for 38 years? Jesus comes to him and he says to him, what's up, bro? How come you've been here for 38 years? He said, there's an angel that comes, watch this, seasonally. And when you miss your chance to get in the pool, hey, you're going to have to wait another year. For the feeding right for the healing and jesus said to him oh no you don't understand when i'm here it changes your operation from economy to first class now you don't have to wait for the turning of the seasons now you can order anytime jesus said pick up your mat and walk he said but the angel hasn't come he said it doesn't matter when jesus shows up the seasons fall away Amen. When Jesus upgraded you into first class, listen, you don't have to wait for us to get into 2023 for the prophet to declare the year of faith. You can experience favor. Oh, you can experience favor right now. You don't have to wait until 31 December for someone to say this year is the year of... No, Jesus is saying... If he shows up, it's the season of everything. Hallelujah. Jesus paid for that. Amen. I said amen. This is the reason why when Jesus went to the fig tree, in John chapter number 11, Jesus goes to the fig tree, right? And he looks at the fig tree, and uh, the fig tree didn't have any fruit. And scripture is clear to say that it was not in the season of figs. Have you thought about it? Jesus went to a mango tree expecting mangoes, and it was not in the season of mangoes. But how many of you know that when Jesus shows up, it changes the season? So the tree should have submitted itself not to the natural carnal seasons or religious seasons. This tree should have submitted itself to Jesus. And do you know what would have happened? In an instant, there would have been fruit, figs on that tree. But the tree refused to submit. Amen? See, there are some people who, who refuse to submit to the healing of God. They, 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 they put a, a season on that. You know, this thing is only going to happen after I finish my three-month course. This thing is going to happen after I, I go for the uh, uh, final radiation. No, when Jesus, do you understand? When Jesus shows up, it changes everything. He told that thing, and he says, now come into the throne room of grace, where you can obtain help when you need it. When you need it. Amen. That's the new season. Amen. The new season is when you need. Do you need favor? Yes. That's when you approach God and he'll give it to you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And a lot of people come to me at the end of the year and say, Pastor, what is next year the year of? And I say, it's the year of everything yes. that Jesus paid for. Can I get an Amen. Some of you think I'm just, you know, uh, 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 quoting and I'm just, you know, talking. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 11, 13. New Living Translation. It's going to show you that you were, you were in economy. It's going to show you. Ephesians 2, uh, 11 to 13, NLT. <coughs> Candice, if you don't mind. Listen to what it says. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be what? 
outsiders. <laughs> we were outsiders, man. You talk about economy. We were not even on the plane. <laughs> Amen. We were not invited. Now look at grace. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. Those days, before you were born again, you were excluded from the citizenship. Someone say citizenship. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived, you didn't have a menu. That's what he's saying. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, someone shout, but now. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the what? The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so there are different facets to this thing. As you start to study it out, you know, the Apostle Paul begins to reveal all these different facets of our relationship with God. Let me, let me give you another example. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, my, my name is uh, Tafara Butai, and uh, to some, I'm, I'm, a, I'm their pastor. To my wife, I'm, I'm her husband. To my friends, I'm a friend. To my kids, I'm their dad. Same person. And so that's what happened when you came into a relationship with Christ. There are different facets of, 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 of upgrade, if you will, that took place when you stepped into this relationship with God. One of them was you became a friend. The other one was you became a son. He put a spirit of adoption on the inside. See, people are one, they, they're just narrow-minded. We were singing this song the one time, I am a friend of God. And someone came, man, you shouldn't be singing that. I said, why not? He said, because you are a son. I said, man, I can be both. Yeah. How about both? Yeah. Amen? How about, a son can be a friend. Some, some sons are, man, if I had a son, they would be my best friend. Going to watch football together, going fishing, to do stuff together. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And so you can be both. And so when you come to this relationship, you are a friend, you are a son, and you know what else you are? You are a citizen in the kingdom of God. That means you have rights and privileges as a citizen. And the big one that he upgraded you to is found here in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.20. Ooh, man, this is going to bless you. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. I'm reading in the NLT. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Man, if you read the verse before that, the verses before that, it says God has entrusted to us the message of the gospel. He has given to us the message of reconciliation. So when we function in the earth, we don't function without any help and without any support. We're functioning as ambassadors of Christ. What is an ambassador? Man, this is good. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country. You know, ambassadors have different uh, rights and privileges. You know, uh, uh, I was speaking to one of, one of our own here. She, she, she works for, for the UN. 
you know. And so I'm always fascinated uh, by Rufi when she comes, and I'm asking questions. I said, so do you have a different pathway? She pulled it out. She said, Pastor, check it out. And it's sky blue. It's different from anything you've seen. It's sky blue, that, that thing. And I said, so with this thing, what can you do? She said, man, you can do a whole lot. I said, like what? She said, you can go anywhere without needing a visa. She just pulls that thing out and she, man, do you realize when Jesus says you are his ambassador in the earth, do you realize who you represent, number one? Do you realize, number two, the rights and the, the things that affect the people in the world shouldn't touch you? That's why he says a thousand will fall at my side, 10,000, but it won't come near me. I will, I, you know, I, I asked her, she's in uh, Sudan now, South Sudan, and they, they, you know, she's in a, a, a place where they have no electricity, but there's an ambassador of the UN, the place that they live doesn't look like the place they live. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. The place they live looks like the place they come from. There could, there would, no electricity in the whole country except the place where ambassadors live. No foreign currency in the entire place except in the place. You go to that compound, man, U.S. dollars are flying everywhere. You leave that compound, people are dying of starvation. What's the difference? The difference is an ambassador is supported by the country they represent. An ambassador should never look like the country they are in. See, the world is trying to make you think that you belong here. You are in here, but you are not off here. Someone shout, I'm an ambassador. Therefore, my help comes from above. The king, the country you come from, takes pride in you representing them well. Let me tell you a little bit about the country you come from. The country you come from, where you come from, they have uh, roads made out of gold. See, poverty doesn't glorify God. You're walking around as, a, as an ambassador. God is thinking, man, that's, that's, not my, that's not my ambassador. Oh, I'm going to miss some of you. Where you come from, there are no sick people. The, the country you represent, and that's why God has put in you the power to deal with sickness and disease. So that you can be a true representative of God. Someone shout, I'm an ambassador. Man, we, 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 we went through a, a rough period as a country where I'm from in Zimbabwe. And there was a time, you know, we didn't have uh, petrol way back in 2000. We didn't have petrol, man. You couldn't find petrol except the ambassador. Amen. There was a time when the government was beating everybody up, just beating it randomly. You're just getting a, the whipping in the streets, just you. What are you doing here? <laughs> Do you know who's not getting hit? <laughs> you go to those war-torn countries and the guns are blazing. Man, they're shooting each other. Except when the, those UN trucks start to show up, you know, everybody puts their guns away. Oh, no, let the UN pass. Let the UN pass. As soon as the UN pass, the guns are out. They start shooting again. <laughs> Do you realize that ambassadors cannot be arrested? Yes. See, you don't, you don't, it's called, uh, it's called diplomatic immunity. For murder, ambassador, I mean, it, it gets a little scandalous. When you realize what grace has done for you, and you realize how much can't touch you, it's just unfair. Amen? Man, this Christian life is unfair. Because God has put so much on us. It just makes the game unfair. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. So Jesus upgraded us from just second class citizens to not just being citizens, but to being ambassadors, representatives of his kingdom in the earth. And he takes pride in supplying your needs. He takes pride. I was talking to someone. Someone came to me uh, uh, a few months ago. They said, uh, you know, Pastor, God has called me uh, to be a kingdom financier. I said, no, you can't do that. He said, how come? I said, the work that needs to be done is too big for your wallet. Uh, the king takes pride in financing his kingdom. The kingdom financier is God himself. God Almighty, oh man, he takes pride in financing his kingdom and making sure that his subjects, we are his citizens in his kingdom, they are well supplied. You go to any kingdom, the king takes pride in how the people look and how the people are taken care of. And our heavenly father takes pride in taking care of us. Amen? And so, in these days, I'm going to end with this. In those days, the word tetelestai was used in different settings. Uh, the first setting, four different settings, we're going to talk about of this powerful phrase, paid in full. You know, in those days, they would use this servant, tetelestai, when a servant, when a, they would use this phrase, when a servant was sent on a mission, and then later returned to his master, he would say tetelestai, meaning I've done exactly what you requested. Wow. Or the mission is now accomplished. And so when Jesus said while he was at the cross, it is finished, tetelestai, he was exclaiming to the entire universe and all of the angelic hosts, he had accomplished the work the father had asked him to do. Mission completed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The second is, uh, they would use the word tetelestai. It was an equivalent of the Hebrew word spoken by the high priest when he presented the sacrificial lamp without spot or blemish. Annually, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies where he poured the blood of the sacrificial spotless lamp on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. The moment the blood touched the mercy seat, the people would receive atonement for their sin and the priest would shout tetelestai. And essentially, that's what Jesus was saying. You know, in the Old Testament, it was a type and a shadow. It wasn't the real deal. They would use the lamp and the turtle doves and all the different animals. They would bring the animal to, to the priest. And then the priest would examine the animal. And if he didn't see any spots or blemishes on the animal, he would take that. It's interesting that the priest didn't examine the people. <laughs> Have you thought about it? Because it was a foregone conclusion. The people is messed up. <laughs> and this is where, you know, you, I, you know I, I, if you want to go with the legalistic mentality, man, I feel bad for you. Because, I mean, according to Romans 3.23, all have fallen short. Everybody has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of God. You may be a better sinner than somebody else, but when God looks, he just says, guilty. And so all of us needed some help. The self-righteous ones, especially the self-righteous ones. Remember when Jesus went to the temple, he shared this parable. He said there were two guys praying. The other one was praying, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. And he was beating on his chest, oh, Lord, have mercy. And the other one was like, Lord, I'm just so glad that I'm not like that dude. I pray three times a day. I bring all my sacrifices. And Jesus turned around and said, who do you think was justified? 
And Jesus made the conclusion. He said, God justified the sinner. Because self-righteousness is probably worse than, you know, uh, 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 approaching God to help you. And so the priest would uh, uh, inspect the, the lamp. And when they saw that the lamp was uh, blameless, spotless, that's the lamp that they would put in to die in place of the people. And so when Jesus went to the cross, God examined the lamp of God that was sent to take away the sin. And there was no blemish. There was no spot. There was no sin. And the demands of justice were satisfied. Because now this was not an animal. Now it's a human life for a human life. And so Jesus obtained what is called eternal redemption for all of our days. Because of what he did. Because now it's a human life for a human life. And so it says in Hebrews 9, 11 to 12. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come. But a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. To that is to say not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. But by his own blood entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal. Someone say eternal. eternal. He obtained eternal redemption. It wasn't an annual thing. It was now forever. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. The third time they would use the word tetelestai. Uh, it was used in business. In the business world to signify full payment of a debt. When a debt had been fully paid off on the bill uh, which the debt was recorded, they would stamp tetelestai, which meant the debt had been paid in full. So when you finish paying a mortgage or whatever, they would put a stamp in there, tetelestai, uh, which meant that the, 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 the debt had been paid in full. And so in Christ, Colossians 1.4, we already read that. In Christ, we have eternal redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. We were bought back from the slave market and the dominion of sin, and he made us free. He came and paid the redemptive price. Amen? Amen. To set us free. Why? Because slaves can't save themselves. Slaves can't pay uh, a, a redemptive price simply because slaves don't earn any money. So if the redemptive price is 10,000 rand, if you were slaves that think, well, I'm going to work hard to be set free. If you work hard, your value actually goes up and they're going to give you more work to do for free. <laughs> amen. I said amen. And so at the end of the month, you know, if the value was 10,000, you couldn't earn from just hard work. And so you couldn't earn your own freedom, your own salvation from Hard work, working it out. I'm trying to earn this thing. You couldn't do that because we were slaves to sin. And now we have become uh, slaves uh, to righteousness. Can I get an amen? And so keeping the law was not the answer. Jesus came and kept it for us. Now we receive of what Jesus did for us. And now we can walk in freedom and power. Can I get an amen? And that's awesome. That's the beauty of the gospel is that you are not trying. And I tried legalism. It's hard. And I didn't enjoy life. I didn't enjoy my relationship with the Lord. Every other day we were doing something religious. The other time we had to buy these prayer showers. And then we are doing the prayer shower thing. And then we, and I didn't enjoy it. I was, I was sad. 
you know, and then, you know, fasting is good, it's biblical, but if you fast for the wrong reasons, you won't enjoy it. You know, you will fast looking forward to the breaking of the fast. That's the wrong way to do it. Fasting is not for you to just have a hunger strike to, you know, cross the finish line. Fasting is for you to actually... Uh, uh, dumb down your flesh so that you can be spiritually sensitive and have an intimate relationship with the Father. If you don't enjoy the fast more than you enjoy the food, just eat. I saw, you know, January, everybody be trying to fast. I saw the other guy halfway through the fast. He put a big old picture of a chocolate cake and he said, man, I can't wait to break this fast. I said, bro, just break it right now. Man, legalism is terrible. I tried legalism. Man, I didn't enjoy my relationship with the Lord. I found grace. Now I have fun with the Lord. Man, we have a sweet relationship with God. We have a sweet fellowship with Jesus all the time. And it's not based on do's and don'ts. In fact, now I live more righteous than I did when I was trying to be legalistic. Because grace empowers you to defeat sin. When you know grace, man, sin is defeated. I remember, you know, those days when, way back those days when they say you need to bring uh, the things that are causing you uh, uh, to sin. The the youth pastor said, man, we're going to have a bonfire, spiritual bonfire on Friday. I need you all to bring all the things that are hindering your relationship with the Lord. And so I took all my cassettes. Those days we we had... uh, all my, my, my worldly cassettes, I took them, and then we were going to have a big bonfire, and then we threw them in there, hallelujah, we were singing songs of worship, we were, threw in, we were trying to earn this thing, you know, we, I took all my uh, comps to go to the club, my complimentary tickets, we were throwing them in there, ah, oh, no, we are not going anymore, and then... I'm trying to earn this thing in my own strength, you know, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do... I'm going by the law. The quickest way to get someone to fall in sin is to give them the law. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Man, you want your kids to, to, to you want to uh, activate the sin nature in people, just give them the law. Paint a white wall, try it. Paint a white wall. If you paint a white wall and don't say anything, people have enough sense to know, give them grace. If you give them grace, they have enough sense to know, oh, it's white, man, don't, don't mess with that. You write, don't touch. <laughs> Man, old people, who are supposed to be saying? People say, why? Why? Why shouldn't I touch? And that's why scripture says, this is why scripture says, the strength of sin is the law. Man, you want to strengthen sin? Give people the law. Amen? Wives, let me help you with this. You want that dude to, to come back home before seven? Just create an environment of grace. And if you do that, he's going to come back. He's going to come back at about uh, 5.30, 4.30. He's going to be looking. See, because when people are treated by grace, they do even more. But you tell that guy, hey, listen, if you come here after 7, you sleep on the couch, 
Listen, he's going to come back before 7. But he will walk in at 7, uh, 6, 59, 55 seconds, 50, 57 seconds, 58, 59, 7 o'clock. You made it on time just for you not to get angry. Okay. I'm just trying to help you. Amen. And you'll be sulking the rest of the time. And so that's what the, the law does to your relationship with the Lord. You want to you wanna follow the Lord based on the law? Man, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to have fun. You're not going to look forward to it. You, man, you set the alarm for prayer. The Lord doesn't even enjoy it too when you do that thing, that obligation thing. The Lord likes it when you're uh, spontaneous. Oh, Lord, let's, oh, I want to pray. And then you start praying in your car. Hey, Lord, what do you think about this? He helps you in the boardroom. Lord, I need the help. He gives you. Not this religious three o'clock. It's three o'clock now. We need to. Man, I did that. I didn't enjoy that. And then you'd have the religious PhD gurus that would come and say, how long do you pray, brother? And then I'll say, man, I pray, I pray, I pray. In fact, they asked Smith Wigglesworth, they said, how long do you pray? And Smith Wigglesworth said, you know, I pray for about 10 minutes. And they were disappointed. They're like, Smith, only 10 minutes. He said, but I don't go 10 minutes without praying. And then they turned around and said, oh, yeah, that's different. Because he's in it the whole time. Amen. I mean, even, even your spouse is a great illustration. Even your wife, she's going to figure it out. If you set the alarm, call my wife at three. <laughs> you may get away with it for seven days, but going into the following week, she'll be like, mm, this sounds like, a, this sounds like it's, it's, it's mechanic. It's obligation. Amen. I said amen. And so the last one, here's the last one now. The last one that would use the word tetelestai is this. In the classical Greek times, the word tetelestai depicted a turning point. When one period ended and another new period began. And so by what Jesus did at the cross, the new covenant came into effect. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 9. He says in Hebrews 9 verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, or a will, you know, when people write a will, it's similar to the testament. And so he says in verse 16, where a testament is, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator. testator. So the person who's written the will must die for the will to be activated. You can't have the reading of the will when the person is still alive. Like the you know, prodigal son wanted to do. But here, when Jesus died and said, it is finished, that was the turning point. The Old Testament had been closed and the New Testament had come into effect. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength 
at all while the testator lives. This is why Jesus said, I've got to go because it's to your benefit that I go. I'm sending the Holy Ghost. We're going into a completely different testament. A completely different covenant which is run by grace and it's fueled by grace. Amen? And so for you and I as new covenant believers, man, we need to realize this, that we belong to a different covenant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but covenants change. And you need to understand which covenant you belong to for you to fully take advantage of it. Can I get an amen? amen. If you don't understand this, man, you'll be doing the most. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we, I like, I like making fun of myself because, man, I made a whole lot of mistakes. When we were young, we were uh, trying to name the, the youth group. Uh, that I was a part of, and so we gathered around. We said, "Come on, let's find a name for this new for this youth group." And we were throwing out names, and and then someone said, "The Joshua Generation." Hey, yeah, the Joshua Generation. Yeah, they're the ones who went into the Promised Land, and we were all excited about the Joshua Generation. But how many of you know that that's actually uh, uh, downgrading what Jesus wants to accomplish in us when we take ourselves back to... Scripture tells us that he who is the least in this kingdom is greater than John the Baptist, who was the greatest of all the saints in the Old Testament. And so we were trying to take ourselves back to the Joshua generation when God had done something in us that was far greater than he ever did with Joshua. Because there was a lack of understanding. When you move, reading your Bible, when you moved from where it says uh, uh, Malachi, the last verse, and it says New Testament, and it starts talking about the, the New Covenant. In fact, that's not where the New Testament starts. If you want to be technical about it, the New Testament actually starts at the end of the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus died. Then the New Testament started. And when you start to read it that way and you understand that we're in the New Testament, man, it's going to change the way you approach God. It's going to change the way you function. I meet people all the time that say, well, brother, I, I do the whole Bible. <laughs> From Genesis to Revelation. I do the whole thing. I don't pick and choose like you people. And I asked them, I said, when was the last time you took a, a spotless cow or lamb or turtle dove to your pastor? For the offering of your sins. And they say, well, I don't do that. I said, but it's in the Bible. You just said you do the whole thing. From Genesis to Revelations. How come you don't do that one? Because Jesus paid for it. Oh, yeah. Jesus paid for a whole lot of other things. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? And so that's the power of the cross. It is what Jesus paid for you and I. And now it's time for us to live as first class citizens. Someone shout, I'm a first class citizen. Someone shout, I have rights and privileges. Because of what Jesus paid for at the cross. Someone shout, I'm an ambassador. Therefore, my help comes from above. It comes from heaven. Amen. Whenever you need help, you know what ambassadors do? Whenever they need help, they don't look around at the country that they're in because they know help is not coming. They pick up the phone and they call the country they're from. 
Amen. Lots of different things happening in our world, sickness and disease. Then, um, you know, poverty and things of that nature. Fuel prices going up, prices going up every single day. Don't look around. God hasn't called you to get your help from down here. He has called you to get your help from head office. Amen. I said amen. amen. And that's what we need to do. Activate our faith to get our help from head office. Because our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Someone shout, all of my sin has been dealt with. Therefore, I will have no condemnation, no inferiority, no guilt in the name of Jesus. Man, you see what grace does? It takes away all condemnation. It takes away all guilt. Because, I mean, all of us, you know, we, we're going to make mistakes here and there. We're not going to uh, do what we're supposed to do every, every now and again. And, uh, and, and we need to understand this, that our relationship with God is not based on what we do, but based on what Jesus did for us at the cross. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. And I'm not saying this because I have some, you know, dirty, ugly secrets. That I'm, I'm saying this because I understand God's standard is very high. Can I get an amen? And for us to accomplish it, we're going to need what Jesus uh, did for us at the cross. And he paid for it in full. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray. Lord, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we just thank you that you have set us free from the slave, uh, from the slave market of sin. Lord, we, we thank you that you've set us free from the curse of the law. You set us free from sin. You set us free from poverty. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that by your grace we are empowered to live above and above only. Never below, never beneath. And so, Lord, we're just so thankful of this today, a Friday. That represents a good Friday, a very good Friday. A Friday where all of us mankind were set free so that we can come boldly into the throne, of, throne room of grace so we can obtain help in times of need. Father, we just thank you and we give you all of the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and someone shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.